And whenever you're ready. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking Can-Am Soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd, how's it going, brother? Good, Jeremy, what's up? Oh, not too much. I apologize for missing last week. Yeah, I, uh, I don't man. I like get my alarm going and I hit snooze, 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 snooze. I don't know how many times. And you know when you're just literally that tired, it doesn't register that you set that alarm for a reason. Yeah, I woke up like an hour and a half late. I'm like, oh boy. So that's my fault. We missed last week, but I didn't sleep in this morning, so that's good. Yeah. How you been doing? You had a, a court date last time we talked. Yeah, um, it was that last show we recorded that Friday. Um, Had it, uh, it was a little different than normal in that um, the judge had some uh, ex parte or private communication uh, with me and my lawyer and then her and her lawyer and then us all together, but and then mm-hmm. and then after a brief meeting uh, like that, the uh, hearing started, and it was like flipping a switch in the judge's demeanor. In that uh, he went from "All right, you know, everybody ready? All right, you know, let's begin. Um, we are now on the record." And then he just went, "All right, blah blah, you know, person A, the." Plaintiff's attorney uh, was like, like, all right, uh, Johnny, uh, let me tell you one thing. Just right to begin with, you know, right up front, um, I have never in 30 years on the bench seen uh, a more frivolous, um, and I I can't remember if he said, actually said piece of junk uh, lawsuit, uh, or something to that effect. But, uh, basically he just ripped him a new one. Hmm. Uh, and then got into the why, you know, number one, you know, you have no cause of action because if for no other reason, it's four years after the statute has told, sorry, um, that that's one thing. Mm Hmm. Even if I let you get past that, because our, there's one or two like exceptions to it, but you know, she wasn't in a coma, you know, none of that. So yeah, yeah. Um, even if I let you pass that, you literally have no cause of action. There's nothing for you to sue for, hmm. and it's been um, the it's already been to an administrative court, which I didn't know. Um, did the agency never needed me last time because, you know, she has no cause of action. So they just, uh, it was pretty much all paperwork. You know, they filed a motion to sue. We filed, they filed a motion in defense and then they filed a motion for summary judgment. And then that was it. Um, mm-hmm. it was thrown out, but basically, um, mm-hmm. her lawyer was told, 
under no uncertain terms, this judge was going to file a grievance with their state bar because they're a doofus. Hmm. That's number one. And then number two, went to her and said, I don't know if you put half the effort into actually doing work that, yeah. that, that you have trying to sue for nothing yeah, for absolutely no reason whatsoever, you'd actually have a pretty decent career. Better than yeah. most, you know, because boy, That's have crazy. you put in a lot of work for nothing. That's so crazy, isn't it? Yes. You know, my dad always had that expression about some people. He's like, boy, if that guy put half his work, as, half as much work as, into working as he did getting out of work, he'd get a lot accomplished, you know? Oh, yeah. It's true. I mean, it's crazy. Um, all you were ever asked to do was what you agreed to when you took the job. You know, whatever mm-hmm. it is that were in those, in your, in the position description. That's mm-hmm. all you were ever asked. Um, you said, you know, a lot of employers, including in the government, expect more. And they're like, oh, you know, if you do more, you get better opportunity, better training, better bonus. But as far as I can see in all of the text, emails, the two or three times you illegally recorded Mr. Fuss talking to you. Uh, mm. Really? You did yeah. that? Yeah. Wow. All he ever asked was, just do the minimum, please. Just do the minimum. That's crazy. If you do the minimum, they can't do anything to you. You know, that's all. Yeah. Um, And that's all I ever asked of anybody that was only ever going to give me that, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not wasting my effort on somebody who just comes to work to cash a check. Um, If you show me you you want more out of life, I am there for you. I'll train you to do anything because, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. So That's anyways, crazy. Um, and then after the fact, after it was all said and done, lots of like um, I's to dot and T's to cross because he wanted to make sure that if she ever said anything else again, it'd just be, you know, smushed. And yeah. then I would have, uh, I already do, um, but he wanted to preserve everything, everything. So hmm. it was a pretty, it was pretty long, just so he could get everything on the record that he wanted, and then okay, uh, it was over, and I was, you know, uh, logging out and do, doing something down here, and my phone rings. And I'm like, that's funny. That's the same block of numbers that the court was. So I answered it. It was the judge. Really? <laughs> he's like, hey, I just want to let you know, I told my staff to, you know, make copies of everything and get them to your lawyer. But then your lawyer was like, um, once the hearing was over, so was his money. And I'm like, yeah, I am not paying that fool uh, for nothing. Huh. He's like, good for you. Um that's so, crazy. Anyway, so they're going to actually provide me copies with video and paper of the transcripts or mm-hmm. PDF versions. But uh, so, in That's case crazy. this ever happens again, and he's also put in an order to her, barring her from ever doing this again. So she's been court ordered 
to let this thing go. Just let it go. Oh, wow. You that's can't crazy. sue anymore. Sorry. Leave Mr. Fuss alone. That's crazy. Eh? So, and it, to the best of my knowledge, that's only ever happened like three times hmm. in the federal court. It happens quite a bit in the state courts, but in federal employment court, I don't think it's happened very much at all. That's crazy. Because they give these idiots every opportunity. So you can just sue and sue and sue and sue and sue and sue. Yeah. Because eventually, um, the an agency will just pay you to go away. Hmm. Well, one, I'm not an agency. Yeah. I'm a person. Now, I, I had professional liability insurance, um, but that went away a long time ago. Yeah. And even if I had it, I wouldn't use it unless I was, you know, there was a risk involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And whether you do anything wrong or not, there's always a risk. Um, yeah. Especially if you're still employed because the agency will just fire you um, and not care. Yeah, to make, the, uh, make their problem go away. Yeah. So, because they can't fire the plaintiff, but they can fire you. Huh, that's crazy. So silly. In, in all of the agencies I work for, supervisors are barred from being uh, – any part of a union. Because mm. your management, literally. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they'll just fire you in a heartbeat. Hmm. That's crazy. So then you should be pretty much done with that, though, hey? Yeah, you know, like I was six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it <just laughs> keeps coming back. But, you know. Um, yeah. Although, right after the fact, you know, that night, I uh, I got a whole bunch of uh, Facebook and Instagram friend requests from, like, fake accounts. So I'm like, oh, here we go. Oh, really? Um, <clears throat> here crazy. we go. So, hmm. And I just block them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> you know what? Yesterday, <laughs> speaking of, like, spamming things, we're coming back from the city. We were at a one last night. And I get this phone call from Vancouver and it was a weird looking number. Like, you know, when all the numbers line up too perfectly Yeah. and I've had these tons and it'll be some guy with like an Indian accent and he'll be like, our, this is the IRS. You owe us money. And, and I'm like, this is the IRS. Yes. We're, you'll go to jail in one week if you do not pay your IRS outstanding debt. And I'm like, so the IRS calls people who live in Canada. Yes, you owe the IRS. They said, I always thought the CRA took after that stuff. But anyways, I got this call and I I was like, wow. So I just, is my, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh yeah. Everything's working just perfect. Peachy. Oh, you know what happened? Here, now just I lost a second. You. There you okay. go. These silly headphones. Okay, I got it now. All of a sudden, I couldn't hear my i I couldn't hear what I was saying because it wasn't playing through my headphones. And I was like, "Did the internet just die?" And anyway, so I get this phone call and I just answer it, but don't say anything. And sure enough, it's this uh, guy with an Indian accent. Hello, 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 and probably for over a minute. Hello, hello. <laughs> I'm like, "Wow, this guy's persistent." And so, anyways, he finally hung up, and then he calls right back, and I thought. And I thought, I'm just going to answer. So I said, hmm. And he goes, hello, this is something from Intelcom, who are the company that deliver Amazon packages. 
he's like, he's like, hello. And I was like, speak. I was being kind of rude to him because <laughs> I thought it was a spammer. And he's like, yes, I've got a package. Do you want me to just leave it at your gate? And instantly I felt really bad. I was like, oh yeah, thank you so much. That'd be great. I appreciate it. And he was mad and he didn't leave our packages. <laughs> I felt bad because I was like, mm, when I answered the second time, and he's like, hello, hello, hello. And I said, speak. <laughs> I was like, what a jerk. I if I was him, if I was him, I probably would have been like, oh, yeah, jerk face. Because <laughs> this was at like 830 at night, 845. Dark, you know, it's fo- it was foggy here last night. Poor guy's just working, trying to make a living delivering packages. And some jerk face who's got a gate on his driveway goes, speak. I felt so bad. But at the same time, his job is to deliver the packages, and he told me he did, and then he just probably got pissed off afterwards, and like, oh yeah, I'm not. So we get an email, it's like, there was a, from uh, Intelcom, we ran into an issue delivering your package, we'll try again tomorrow. It's like, you didn't run into an issue. But I don't know why they wouldn't call, like, when I answer the phone, if he's like, hello, right away, I'd be like, hey, this is a courier, Intelcom, I deliver for Amazon, I'm at the end of your gate. Right? Instead of, hello, 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 hello. Like, just, I don't know who you are. Like, and even even then, like, if they have your phone number, I mean, yeah, you can block numbers and stuff. I just, yeah, for, for the amount of headaches, like, I almost got scammed one time. Um, at a, it's a marathon, like, at the Calgary Marathon. There's actually a company who had a booth set up. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually, like, it looked legit and everything. And then I ended up getting a call saying that I had one... And I had actually, we, we'd gone back and forth several times. And then the very final thing was that I just had to give him a credit card number to secure the thing. And I thought, ah, this seems weird. And I was like, okay, let me just think about it. And then they started pressing. I was like, okay, well, if they're impatient, then, and actually I got a call from the, uh, the city of Calgary police because they got a list of numbers. They found this, they found out about it. And they called me like about 20 minutes after I talked to them. And they said, do not give them any information. It's a scam. I was like, ah, okay. So then I called him back. He's like, are you ready to give us credit card yet? And I said, actually, I just got a call from the city of Calgary police, and they, uh, they're they warning us all about you. But, yeah, I felt bad about that. What a jerk, eh? Well, absolutely related to this subject. Wednesday, I was at my uh, at the VA Medical Center here and, and doing my lab work for my uh, semi-annual appointment next week. And sitting there, and when I go into any place, I always put my phone, I turn my ringer off, right? Because mm-hmm. I believe in that. And I didn't feel it vibrate in my pocket, and I just checked it to see if Danetta texted me. I noticed that the, it was actually ringing at that time. I'm like, I answered, uh, hello? And it was a... Uh, a scammer, and they're like, uh, they were a, oh, God, what were they? It was some medical thing where you owe like $100,000, but you'll, they'll, uh, they'll settle today for 5000 Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In gift cards? Yeah. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> That's it. Really? That sounds like a great deal. Um, yeah. but as soon as he started talking, I'm like out loud, I'm in the waiting room. I'm like, 
Oh my God, I am so glad you called me. I am trying to be reaching you for your car's extended warranty. Yeah. And they go click. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. And everybody's lo- looking around, looking at me like, what the hell? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a scam call. Yeah. Uh, they want to give me 95% off a medical bill. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Hot deals. And if they're that stupid, they would certainly buy an extended warranty. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's just annoying. I, oh, that scam. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, and then you have to, um, I'm really afraid that uh, Danette's going to get hit one time because mm. uh, she's such a nice person and doesn't think anything's a scam. Mm. Uh, I like don't ever say anything like the word yes, no. Um, don't ever say that because you know. Well, now it doesn't really matter with AI; they can just fake your voice. But yeah, um, I have one guy uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh, it was the late afternoon, the day of my court uh, call, and it was an extended warranty for a car I haven't owned in like ten years. Uh, and I'm like, you're calling me about, and he kept trying to get me to say yes, and I wasn't going to, so I just like, shut up, I got a question. Mm-hmm. What? I'm like, you're calling me about an extended warranty for blah, blah. Yeah. And he said, yes, I am. I am. Great, thank you. I got you on record on my recording saying the word Yes. And then he hung up. So why can't you say that? They're, what the they're doing is recording the phone call, and they'll chop up that recording uh, where they ask you, "Do you want to buy this?" Yes. Gotcha. And then they can they have that as evidence when you yeah you know they'll show the credit card company. But nah, I see. Uh, not ridiculous, hey? Yeah. Huh. Now credit card companies are saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, we don't do that anymore, but they do. Mm. Uh, in fact, uh, a huge case of it as recently as yesterday happened, but anyway. Hmm. Crazy. So guess what? Uh, I don't know if you've been following what's going on here in Venezuela, but um, do you know the latest thing? I wanted to mention this because I don't know if it would affect our podcast at all, but there's a possibility uh, the Canadian federal government and CRTC, they want to make it so that in order to operate a podcast in this country, you have to apply for a license from the government and then it's monitored. Can you believe that? Yeah, I do. Because um, what was happening with old What's-His-Face? Uh, Peterson? Yep. Well, I never followed that. Like, oh, what was happening? Oh, because he was speaking out so much against the government and stuff. Well, yeah, and they want him, they said you have to take sensitivity training in order to continue your show. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think I will. Oh, it's so bad here, man. It's crazy. I, I, people reach out on Instagram like every couple of days and they'll send me like these media articles. And they're like, is this true? And it was like a something that was shared on Instagram. So I was like, oh, I can't open this link. It's blocked here in Canada. So obviously it is true. <laughs> but they're like, I can't believe. It. I'm like, oh, dude, man, it is. 
It is insane. And the, oh, like, the cost of living, inflation, like, it is, the whole things are bad. Well, but we the, have to, because um, the underlying email, transistor, our host, and all that is mine, so we're headquartered in America. I can get the Squadcast uh, subscription as well, and then it's literally, you know, we could say true. headquartered in the good old U.S. of A. until they go uh, more socialist than they already are. Yeah. When you know what the crazy thing is, like, so Trudeau's just, well, I mean, it's just, it's unreal how how stupid he is. And all this idiotic, this policies and these, all these things he's bringing into play, his popularity is like a, is like a jet heading straight down at the ground. Like, he's just plummeting. And who knows, I mean, I, I think he, the last election results were rigged. But who knows? Honestly, I mean, the way it sits right now, if we wait till next election, he's not coming back. And that's what the polls show. That's what everything shows. So that's what I'm hoping for. Um, but the thing that's dumb is, that, okay, good. We get rid of this idiotic government. The NDP, who's just a bunch of spineless cowards. Even the the liberals are talking and, and they've sent things to the media saying, we're very concerned about the future of our party with Justin Trudeau as the leader of it. Because nobody likes him and he's a complete imbecile. But I was telling the kids, I said, you know what the real problem is? Like, we're not going to have this government forever. This was the same thing that his father did. His father was a complete useless idiot and ruined a whole bunch of crap. I said, the real shame in it all is that, yeah, we get rid of this clown donkey. But now there's years of work just to get the paperwork done to put things back to where they should be, you know? And I said, that's the real shame is that all these policies, all this, like, I don't know, for every little rule he makes, like, even, like, we get, so my wife went to Tim Hortons, and she ordered soup at the drive-thru, and they gave her a freaking cardboard spoon. A cardboard spoon, because <laughs> we're, we Canadians can't have plastic cutlery, because we have to save the environment single-handedly while they burn tires in Kuwait, like, ugh. But I said, even that, like this stupid plastic straws and all this, all this garbage that we're, <laughs> we're being treated like toddlers. And that's what happens when you vote for a liberal government. But it's like, it's going to take forever just to get back to being able to actually have plastic straws again and plastic spoons, you know? It's just such a waste of time. It's just insane. I'm completely disillusioned, jaded, disgusted with all politics. Uh, you know, you watch the House of Commons or watch those... Parliament Hill, and all Mr. They do stand up, Mr. Speaker, and then hurl insults and act like childish babies at each other. Both sides, all like the conservatives are like basically name calling, and then he sets up and basically name calls back. And I'm like, is this seriously what modern government is? Like, give me a freaking break. This is the dumbest crap I've seen in my life. You know what? Sesame Street is more intelligent, and I would rather Sesame Street run the country than people in Ottawa. My word, it's so stupid. But anyways. Yeah, so who knows what's going to happen with our podcast. If the tyrant gets his way. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. 
Anyways, I'm building my first knife out of Damascus right now. I saw a little teaser on that. Mm-hmm. So it's a collaboration I'm doing with uh, James Keaton, you know, Redbeard Ops on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, so he made me this billet. And not even joking, he made it, like, a long time ago. Like, I think I, I got it in our old house. So I've, I've had it for, like, over a year and a half. the only one you got all, all in your old house. That's true. I also have the other one I got in my old, 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 old house. I'm yeah, facing. but I don't blame you for not doing anything with that other one. It was kind of. Yeah, that, that aside. Doing, so. I am mean, going to do something, but at the oh, same you time. Bill it? Oh, here you go. Um, here's a freaking um, pocket sized knife for a mouse. Actually, yeah. See, part of the thing is, is that. That, that, like, it's it's a good looking, I like the pattern of it. Uh, so the one that James made me is like a twist pattern. And then that one that Alec made me was like, I don't know, kind of starts in the middle and all flares outward, which is really cool. But the reasoning for not having that one done is that, A, I don't know how to make a friction folder, or no, sorry, a frame lock folder or liner lock folder. And B, I, I don't have a strong desire to. I don't know. I should just do it, but and then also the steel is not, is a little narrow for the design that I had, um, because I had I wanted the flipper on the on the outside of it to be part of like the same piece of steel, but I'm gonna get that one done eventually too. But I know this is not something you you would want to do, but it's, at least it's an idea. I'll throw it out there. Okay. A. Like, cause I have a, my little Spiderco man bug right here in front of me, tiny little okay. pocket knife. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Right. Little knife. They're cheap. Um, they don't hold an edge worth of poo, but it, if I lost it, it, you know, Ooh, big deal. Um, but you, you find a knife that's either frame lock or liner lock that you like, at least mm-hmm. the design of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Take it apart, copy that blade I did with that um, blank, that mm-hmm. Damascus blank. Throw it in there. And, th- and reassemble it with your Damascus blank. That way you, you have a nice uh, liner lock or uh, frame lock that you like. That it has a, a you know, a handmade Damascus billet in it. You know, yeah, blade. That's, actually, that's a good idea. Never thought about doing that. Yeah, it's a good idea. And it's so funny because, like, I've spent, I don't know, not a lot of time, but I probably have, like, 12 hours into that project with the designing the knife, doing drawings, blah, 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 blah. And the reason I have that much time is because I'm so slow and clunky at, what was I doing, like, uh, layout, sketch up layout, and get it all put together. And I think I mentioned this before, but, like you know assemble like kind of a rough thing and put some bearings in there essentially basically bolted the blade into the frame with a spacer to space out the sides of the frame and that's all and i'm like hey cool and so i show a picture of it and i get a comment i didn't know you're left-handed and it's like what are you talking about and at first i thought this is a stupid comment what, what an idiot and then i'm thinking about it i'm like oh i put the lock so that you need to, I literally designed it for a left-handed person. 
I mean, just stuff like that. Something that never entered my mind. <clears throat> like which side of the blade the lock should be on. So you can use it in your right hand with your right thumb. Or you could literally put it on the opposite side so it works better with your left hand and your left thumb. It's just like, and once I did that, I was like, oh, this is too much. I don't have the patience to build a folding knife right now. But, but yeah. Oh, I also ordered some gator piss. Have you heard of gator piss? I'm sure you have. No, no probably not in in the context of <laughs> using it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, there's this company called Baker Forge and Tool. Have you heard of them? I don't know if I have or not. It doesn't sound familiar right off. Okay, so they make uh, custom Damascus. They do production Damascus. I think they're out of Texas, somewhere around there. I forget. But beautiful stuff. And they do a lot of this. Like They'll put like nickel liners in, copper liners. Like They call it their Go-Mai and their Q-Mai. And their steel they make is unbelievable. I actually want to I want to do a really nice kitchen knife with it, but it's... Like a 12-inch bar is about like, Canadian here, like 300 bucks for the steel. Um, all depends on the patterning and stuff. But they also make a company called Gator Piss, which is their own proprietary etchant that's based off of muriatic acid. But it has some other things in there, and they've they've worked for a couple of years to come up with an etchant, and it is impressive. Like, pretty much all knife makers that I know now have switched to it, and they're like, nope, the Gator Piss, that's what you have to use. There's no fussing, you know, it, it's so many people were doing coffee etches after, after their acid, like fair chloride etch to get it darker, darker. This just eliminates it. And it is impressive. Like I see, you know, my friends on Instagram throw stuff in there, leave it for 20 minutes, pull it out. I'm like, wow, that is gorgeous. Like a really nice etch. So anyways, I ordered some of that for this, this knife that I'm working on because I've never, I tried doing some test etching. I sanded, like I haven't ground the bevels. I basically have the profile of this knife roughed in. And it's just going to be like a kitchen knife for myself. Because, you know, James made the steel for me. It's not like I'm going to sell this blade. Um, but I I sanded it to two, all the way up to 2,000 grit and then etched it. And then the other side was left at about, it's like a 120 belt finish. And it is amazing how different, you know, just seeing the difference between those sides of it and... Man, to get a, when you see Damascus blades that really pop, I have a lot more respect for achieving that because I'm trying to do it right now, just casually. I'm not fussing hard over it, but it is, it's not a matter of, oh yeah, I just signed it to four, 600 grit, throw it in some acid, pull it out and wipe it off. You're done. Like it's, it's pretty impressive when you see a real nice, clean, clean edge. So kind of excited trying to learn that stuff, but. And then I also got, I'm super excited. So I ordered some stuff from, have you heard of Maritime Knife Supply? Yeah. Yeah, they sponsor a bunch of podcasts and stuff. Um, but anyways, I ordered, they're the, they call them the Airways Buffing Wheels. And they're by Red Label Abrasives. And it, they're these certain buffing wheels and they got different, different colors of wheels are treated with different compounds and they're different hardnesses and... Um, Anyways, I ordered, they say that you can go, they have one wheel that will take out 400 grit scratches and completely smooth it. And then from there, there's another wheel and use like a pink compound, I think, whatever. Anyways, they say if you hand sand up to 400, you're about two minutes away from a mirror finish with the, their polishing setup with the different stages. So I bought four wheels and three, 
three, four, four different types of compound. And because a lot of folks say when you're etching Damascus, if you can get a mirror finish first, you get a much cleaner etch. So, um, have you heard of Gentry Custom Knives? Yes. Yeah. So he, he uses that setup and he actually had a YouTube video about, I watched it yesterday and it's, it's amazing. Like I'm not, I'm not necessarily a huge fan of mirror polish. Um, I don't, I don't mind it. There's a few times when I see it, I'm like, okay, that's impressive, but I want to try this. So I ordered that whole buffing set. And then what I need to do now is take my princess auto gift card and buy a couple more buffing machines. But it's, it's funny cause I have one buffer and I've always just kind of made that work. And I'm like, okay, take this wheel off, put this other wheel on. And lately I've found myself switching wheels like a couple times a day. And I'm like, you know, this dumb. I've got these gift cards that I need to spend, you know, for doing sponsored videos. They make a, all I need is a cheap, you know, three quarter horsepower buffer. And why, and I've got room. Why don't I have like three or four of these set up on the bench so that I don't have to ever swap the buffs, you know, just. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set up a little buffing station. I'm pretty stoked about that. It'd be handy. <clears throat> but yeah, you got any shop time in or? Oh, no. Lately? No. I didn't go talk. Tried to talk? Yeah, it is. Um. Tried to talk to, uh, well, no, I finally got a chance to get to uh, uh, the tractor dealer, talk about ordering a tractor, but oh, yeah. uh, they're all kind of in the same, unless it's one of those, and this part doesn't matter what manufacturer you go with. Um, if you're looking for a subcompact or a small compact, you can just go get one. But if you want anything bigger than that, it's pretty much all on allocation. Really? Yeah, because of, you know, parts supply, mm. unprecedented global demand, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the guy that I've dealt with the whole time I've been here, he's like, look, you know, this is what they tell you, you know, everything's on allocation. But I haven't had any problem finding a, a model that somebody wanted because, you know, there's at least – uh, there's a bunch of uh, dealers within a hundred miles of here, two hundred miles hmm. of here. So, hmm. so what? Because uh, what size are you looking for again? A well, specifically, I was gonna look. I'm looking at the Kubota Grand L sixty sixty, a sixty horse, uh, okay, fully That's cab tractor. Size. The Grand L was like the the when it comes to tractor cabs, it's kind of like a Cadillac. No, I mean, not really, but for yeah. a tractor. So the 6060? 6060. Let me see. Ooh. That's a nice little tractor. And I'll be going from a 25 horse to a 60. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a nice looking. Uh, and I have some specific things I want on it, but like. On my rear hydraulics, I won't need them right now, but hopefully in 2024, I will. I just can't afford to throw money on a brand new, like, batwing mower or flail mower. So I'm looking for used or auction, right? Mm -hmm. And Because the 
the actual bat 12 foot or 14 foot bat wing that I want. That'd be the, the perfect thing uh, for here because it can uh, raise and tilt mm-hmm. and move a little to the side, about half the width. It's not one of those full swing out. Mm-hmm. I don't want one of those full swing out unless it's the flail mower. Then I do want it to where I can run it behind me or offset. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, Oh, sorry. I had to, had to cough. Uh, oh, yeah. The, uh, they're like 20 grand. Some of them, 25 grand. Wow. New, you know, for the more, I'm like for the bat wing. Wow. And, but, uh, but I think the flail mower, depending on whether you want hammer teeth or the other ones, whatever they're called, uh, I forgot, like 12-ish, 15-ish. They're outrageous for what they are. I mean, literally. Um, Yeah, that's crazy. Well, no surprise to anyone, but if you can find real, real study and real statistics and real numbers on things, Mm -hmm. uh, trailers particularly uh, industrial trailers, equipment trailers, uh, agricultural trailers are the most overpriced, you know, uh, profit margin for manufacturers. They're in the top 10 of everything on earth. Uh, And and also in the top 10 or 12 are farm implements. Mm. So, yeah. Any yeah, kind of true. implement for the back or front of your tractor is just so overpriced for what it is. Um, now, there is a caveat to that because there's a large manufacturer of these things in Ohio, and there's a very large manufacturer of these things in uh, implements, that is, and uh, attachments for construction equipment in Canada. Hmm. They do not uh, have like a thousand percent markup mm-hmm. but what they do have they're still expensive but like you know like a five foot bucket for a 300 series excavator for thirty thousand dollars right yeah. yeah but it's made uh it's built like a tank not like um uh chinesium so mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder, man. You know, I, I think that same thing too. It's like, oh man, is it so expensive? Like, you know, I, mean, and I you wouldn't, wouldn't have gone the tractor route for the problem I have uh, with the land here. I really wanted like a v- little Ventrac, but the problem is they don't make those enclosed. What's and a Ventrac? <clears throat> it's one of those. They're small. They have eight wheels on them, but they're four wheel drive. Oh, okay. Uh, and they can, they're all terrain like bush hogs, but, uh, uh, they're articulated. Mm -hmm. They, um, all the implements are on the, they can go on the front or the back. They're hydraulic in nature or PTO. Uh, they're just little powerhouses, but Hmm. just the base machine is 30 grand right now. Brand new. And I found one, we were following it on a auction. Um, I was actually shocked. 
Danette actually found it and uh, was going to bid on it. I'm like, oh, hold on, let me look, let me look. You know, um, but no, it was a fantastic machine. Uh, the the seller you know, took pictures of everything. I bet you there was 111 pictures of this thing. Oh, wow. Um, they, there was two things wrong with it, wrong in air quotes. Uh, there was a tiny dent in the brush guard. Well, that's what it's there for. Uh, and a one of the side-mounted uh, hydraulic blocks had a little scratch on it. Hmm. Right? Well, okay, you know, they get that. You know, if you're because of what this thing is made for, and it's used. It had uh, about three hundred hours on it, hmm. with only one attachment, and it was a power rake. So yeah, it's not doing a lot of hard work. Uh, and the power rake came with it, and those are ten, twelve thousand right now. Or at hmm. that time, uh, they're a little bit more now. And it finally went for more than new. Oh, wow. Higher than brand new retail, zero hours. And I'm like, that's crazy. Hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, but, it's crazy. But the problem is, you know, if the MSRP on this thing is $30,000, you find a dealer that has one in stock and it's marked up. Yeah. We had a, just out of curiosity, I called the nearest dealer that had one and that was in Indiana and they wanted like seven and a half more than MSRP. Hmm. And it wasn't even the, the model I wanted, it was the one lower. And I'm like, no. Yeah. Well, he, he, the guy was like, you know, no, I get it. I wouldn't buy it either. And I sell these things. But I got a list of four people's names here that with it, that are pretty much bidding on it. Mm-hmm. You know. And, yeah. you know, we'll start taking these things. When we get up to the number the uh, owner of the dealership wants, we sell it to the highest, you know. I'm like, that should be illegal in a way. Yeah, yeah. But I get it. I get yeah. it. Capitalism. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if, I don't know. You know, I bought like that old uh, Heaney Moto tractor. It's great, but I, I don't use it anymore here at all. Like, I used it at our old place quite a bit, actually, but I don't... Well, I guess because I had to do... We had the Dixie Cutter there, but I don't use that here. I actually sold it because I'll never need to do any of that here. <clears throat> and so I'm like, the last time I used my tractor was to till the garden in spring, and then I was looking out, and I'm like, yep, it's time to get the garden out, pull out the Hinimoto, and so it's basically been relegated to just a rototiller. Kind of makes me sad, but... And I'm like, I don't know, maybe I should look at selling it. And I'm kind of like, nah. I'm trying to find that stuff now, like, it's ridiculous. May as well just hold on to it. I should actually put it into the shop for the wintertime. That's actually what I'll do. But. Oh, man. You know what's crazy? We've had, like, super dry summer in warm 
And we had the last two days, we had two and three quarter inches of rain. And actually, it's just over 24 hours. <laughs> I think we probably just got more rain than almost we had all summer. It's crazy. But, uh, man, it's been a good fall. A lot of years we'll have snow by this time, you know, and got some this weekend supposed to be kind of nice at weather out so i'm stoked but winter is coming yeah um when did your bow season start oh it has started it has started if i want last three years no not three years two maybe i bought tags and just didn't have the chance to get them didn't see deer, didn't, or, or I did when we were like starting in the rush and it was like busy. And I'm like, you know what? I literally don't have time to go harvest a deer. I saw some deer out there. I'm like, yes, I, I feel like I could take the shot. I could drop the animal, but then I got to do all that work. And I'm like, I don't have that time right now. So I haven't even bought tags yet this year. I don't know if I will or not. We'll see. We shall see. Yeah, no. You you ever do any hunting out there? No, I haven't hunted in Tennessee. Um, I want to, but uh, I'm the only one that would eat game that's here in the house. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm afraid to be wasteful. Yeah, yeah. I am. And uh, if I was closer to, like, my nephew... He does, he eats it, but, um, mm. I mean, they get two or three, he tries to get four a year, but oh, anyway, wow. um, yeah, that way I could share, but, uh, and the other reason is, uh, they have a larger occurrence of, uh, the wasting disease mm, than yeah, they have be. publicized. Oh, really? You can find out. That is larger than they're saying just by looking at their own statistics uh, and data. They just won't publish it Hmm. because, you know, they have a vested interest in selling hunting tags and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they still make it where it's only uh, optional to get tested. Really? Yeah. So, Hmm. anyway. That's crazy. Um. That, that all of that, and I'm like, <clears throat> this year I was going to uh, get a crossbow and bow hunt, mm-hmm. but uh, I have other, you know, other concerns. And be even more perfectly honest, the deer that come into the yard now have names. So. <laughs> Let's eat Rufus. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Now I could go down Umbrella's property and and you know kill strangers all day. But that's right. That's funny. In fact, if the guy who leases her hunting from her uh, is unable to get any again this year, mm-hmm. she has two bucks that are over competing 
Hmm. And one of them's got to go. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> even the green police told her, you know, you, you need to either rehome or get rid of one of those two. Uh, and she's like, ask Danette um, if she thought I would be willing. And she didn't even get it out of her mouth good. And Danette was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to just mm. pick the one you want dead. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's you're all crazy. about murder when it's not your deer. Yep. <laughs> I'm kidding, eh? Oh, I was wondering about this stuff. Hydrochloric acid and iron uh, trichloride. What's gator iron trichloride? Pee. Oh, yeah. You know, gator piss. Um, yeah, I'm excited. That's sad so they, you have to say, uh, causes serious eye damage if it has hydrochloric acid in it. Oh, really? Yeah. You think? I'm kidding, hey? I know. Yeah, well, I'm excited to try that. Like, you know, it, it I find when, when, anytime you get into a hobby that's like making things or not even a hobby, like, you know, you do it full time, it's, the the different things you can buy is limitless you know and it's like and so i've always tried to be like okay you know what i i'll stop and be like let's take stock i i literally don't need a thing i can make knives pretty much any knife i want i'm only constrained by my skill like it's not and and so i usually don't like look at stuff but then you'll see people and it's like oh check out i just if these little buffs work and if you can go from 400 grit on the belt grinder to a mirror polish, I'm like, okay, why would I not say, okay, I need that tool. I need that little bit of kit, you know? And then same thing, like I was messing, I was trying to get an etch on the steel and I was like, you know what? This is not looking good. And some places were more cloudy than others. And I know it's a lot of finishing and prepping and it's, even with this gator piss, it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit of a learning curve for me. But so many people I've heard just say, oh, "This stuff is it." Like, if you don't want to fuss around with it, if you don't want to, you know, delve deep into the the nuances and the sciences of getting a beautiful etch, just put it in gator piss and be done with it. I'm like, well, there you go. Hopefully, hopefully it's true. But and it does sound very meticulous, especially that whole um, Buffett, and then. Don't touch it for six hours. Yeah. That seems kind of uh, end of day-ish for a production shop. You know? Yeah. You'd have and to so finish buffing the 2,500 uh, all at the end of the day. That way they sit overnight, and then you oil them in the morning. Yeah. Well, because I watched their YouTube video, too, and, and they say that, so they bring it out of the gator piss, put it in water baking soda to neutralize it, wipe that off, and then they hit it with WD-40 to you know, displace the water and prevent any corrosion. And they, they say leave it sit for six hours to let the oxides set up. And I'm like, that's interesting. I've never thought about that. Um, and I, I don't know, it's, it, it's interesting. Like, I, I think the people that do this and figure this out, that make it, they're not actual scientists. So... A lot of times you'll try something and you see, oh yeah, this works really well. And you think it's because of this, but it may not necessarily be because of that. And so sometimes he's like, yeah, sometimes I'll go buff it with 2,500. Sometimes I, or I'll send 2,500. Sometimes I won't. Um, sometimes I use this thing called, uh, 
you ever the sun sunshine cloth? No. It's like they're like take your sunshine cloth, and I'm like, what the heck is a sunshine cloth? And um, it's just like some polishing cloth for jewelry, and it's called a sunshine cloth. Oh, I know what it is, and yeah, I don't know who started yeah. that, but we used to call it something completely different. Huh. Yeah, and they're like, so they're like, oh, you need a sunshine. They're like, I was watching their YouTube videos on how to use their gator piss, and they say you need a sunshine cloth. So I'm like, oh, I guess I'll get one of those, but I don't know. It's funny because sometimes I, I resist buying a new thing or a new process or new product, and then sometimes it's just when you get it, it's like, dude, why, why was I not doing this before? It was like that with a laser. Like, why didn't I? I, I should have bought a laser a long time ago for etching marks and stuff because it is so much better than electro etching and those electro etchers aren't cheap either mind you i guess lasers weren't really available eight years ago like they are now but i was looking to buy that electro etch that i have it's i think it's like three four hundred bucks us <laughs> i'm like wow that's not cheap you know you're a quarter way to buying a laser that could could etch but yeah now um, after the, I know you got to go, so factor this in right after the show. Uh, I got a quick chat for you. Um, okay. A quick subject, uh, related to Baker forging tool. Okay. But also related to Baker forging tool, their Damascus is just out of this world. It is. Now I, I get it right. I, I do, I do. And I'm not discounting this it is some of the most beautiful production damascus i've ever seen in my life some of the handmade billets by a certain uh famous damascus maker still put it to shame but you can't i you know people can't afford that other stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) this Mm -hmm. for what it is oh my god it's actually quite reasonable Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing, like they, the one thing they guarantee like the quality of it, like you won't get delaminations and stuff. And, and really you haven't it, seen me make a knife baker. Yeah. <laughs> Don't hold up on that guarantee. That's right. <laughs> but, um, no, really like once you've done it before, you should be able to produce a, a consistent quality product and they've been growing like crazy. Like, so it started out. So it's Koi Baker the guy's name and you know kind of started doing it out and really got taken with the damascus side of it and then i think it's only in the last year or two that he's actually quit whatever he did i might be wrong on this but i'm pretty sure i heard this on a podcast that he quit his job because he was you know weekends and evenings he was making so much damascus for people and he kind of got into the knife making tried making damascus and really fell in love with that process in and of itself and I don't know how many employees he has now, but I know it was about a year ago that they moved to a new shop that was like, I want to say 30, 40,000 square foot. Totally kitted it out, more presses, more forges, more this, more that. And now they just bought another building. And I heard, I think it's two or three times bigger than my shop. Like maybe they're moving to like a 15,000 square foot building because they just run out of room and they're, they're just pumping it out. And really, you should be able to, right? Like if you know, okay, you know what? We're going to get our steel 
I heard him say on a podcast how many like how many tons of steel he buys at a time, and it's just insane. Like during the pandemic, he ended up like just bringing steel from Germany because he bought everybody up from the states. It's like nobody has knife steel anymore because I need it all. Like I'm buying it all. But um, yeah, no, and you think about it. If you go, you like to make Damascus, most people are like okay, let's think about it. You know, let's get to the whiteboard and kind of figure out what the pattern's going to end up like. And if you kind of know that and you're like, okay, you know what? Let's standardize this a little bit. Now, what thicknesses do we need for what different product? Okay, so let's, you know, boom, cut, cut, cut. You buy an automated bandsaw, chop all this stuff up. You stack it, you weld it, and you just have one guy stacking and welding the stacks together. You know, how many can one person do in a day? And then you have one guy who presses it and rolls it out. You know, it's it's production Damascus and it, it really makes sense, you know, and, uh, they'll go through a bunch of <clears throat> like specialty patterns and different names when they're talk when they start doing different, like nickel shims in there, copper shims, brass shims and stuff like that. But it's actually pretty cool stuff. I, I like it. I would like to add, uh, I'd like to do a really nice thin, thin kitchen knife with that stuff in it somehow. But, you know, it totally makes sense, you know, pump out that stuff. So, oh, yeah. And yeah. And they, they sponsor a lot of how long, unless knife manufacturers, uh, kitchen knife manufacturers that um, do production, you know, like Wolfstoff kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Or to come to him and say, yeah, we want 100,000 billets a month. I wonder mm-hmm. how sustainable this is. Yeah. No, I hope it is for him because dude is talented. Yeah. But there so oh who's that? which is it? I don't know if it might have been benchmade. ZT is also ma- made in the US, right? I think. It was one of those guys actually came to him and said, listen, we want to do a, a limited edition of this style of blade. Would you be interested in making the steel for it? And I think he's doing it. I forget. Or he was debating. They're going back and forth on contracts. He's like, that would be kind of a... He, he said it's a lot bigger than what I have now, just to a single customer. He said even as such, I mean, so ZT's kind of a little bit more... I don't know. It's, it's not like punched out like Kershaw it's just a little bit above whereas they could actually say okay we're gonna actually put some special steel into this but it's not like they're gonna be making 10 million of that knife you know it's still they'll make obviously quite a few of them but if it's a limited edition run I mean I don't know what that would look like but but yeah no he's saying um, maybe that's why he's building his new shop maybe something like that kind of fell through or or went through because I heard about it a little while ago but no it's kind of cool Oh yeah, absolutely. I like I, I like the la- layered steel, um, like sandmise because then I don't know. I still always get hung up, and maybe I shouldn't be. It's probably just dumb, but I always get hung up on the fact that on a cutting edge, if you have two different types of steel, you know which one did you heat treat specifically for, or did you just kind of do a rough shake in the middle, and you know hope for the best, and then ultimately, does it actually really matter? <laughs> You know, but that's why I, I love the sand mice. I love the look of sand mice, but I love the idea of having a mono steel as the cutting portion of the blade. 
And you get to choose what that is. You know, whatever your center core is going to be, whatever steel you like there, that's what you get. But I actually want to make my, I'm worried, not worried, hoping kind of and interested if going through with this, making this kitchen knife with um, the steel that, that James made for me, if it's going to kind of really spur the bug for me to start doing some Damascus and San Mai on my own. I think it might. I see a forge, I mean a press project in your future. Yeah. <laughs> I've been threatening one for such a long time. I did that uh, log splitter, which is, it's fine. The problem with it is I can't mount the ram vertically because working horizontally is not fun. Uh, no. Like it, it just isn't. And everything's more complicated. And then everybody's like, well, just stand it on its end. And I tried that, but the problem is that there's not a single hydraulic hose on that system. It's all just internal passages from the reservoir to the ram, through the valves. It's all just like one single cast piece of aluminum. Yeah, it's not and meant you, to be. No, the, it cavitates the pump because it has no, has no supply line when it's mounted vertically. And Had I known that, I probably wouldn't have bought that model. But yeah, I that's know. still, this has been going on, oh God must be nine years i've been trying to find a blacksmithing or a forge press mm -hmm. that's of a reasonable quality and price you know like at an auction or used or whatever mm -hmm. yeah no the only time that i've been able to find one that i could have jumped on and bought they're like in washington state you know. mm, yeah. yeah no. So Brian Cohn, you know, B Cone Knives. Yeah. He's on the Working on or the Work For it podcast. He just got one for five hundred bucks last week. <laughs> a twenty ton <laughs> I know. A twenty ton forging press. It was twenty minutes from his house. And it's a homemade jobby. Like like the I guess where he got it from was this huge farm. I was listening to their podcast yesterday. He said it had like three barns that looked like they were airport hangers with just full of equipment. And then I guess the grandpa was into blacksmithing. In the 80s, he made this hydraulic forging press. He said there's like a 450-pound hay button anvil sitting outside. And, but anyways, they wanted to... The, so the sons were trying to use it for pressing bearings and stuff like that, like a, like a hydraulic press. And obviously, it's not ideal. Um, that's when you need the actual hydraulic press where you can actually put the supports underneath it for doing bearings and stuff like that. So I said, well, you know, it's not going to work for us. So let's just get rid of it. So I put it for sale for 500 bucks. <laughs> He's like, I'll come take it. So I got this and it's fine. It's like a C frame, you know, uh, like the bigger coal ironworks designs. But I saw that. I'm like, oh man, that is a steel and a half. 500 yeah, I, bones. I even was, I'm even looking for a, uh, What's it called? A roll press. Mm -hmm. So I want a hydraulic press, but I also want a roll press. Mm -hmm. Now that you know, that's just a—it's a niche press. You know what they are. Um, mm -hmm. But what what do you want? What they for? do, they do well. And mm -hmm. if you need a bar lengthened, it's that's what it's there for, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, anyway. So I've got and that you don't big... have to worry about smashing something in the middle and then right next to it, and then that delaminates. You start at one end, and it puts a constant amount of pressure all the way down while it is lengthening it, but not putting 
much, if anything, in the wet. Yeah. You know, it's just what you need on some mm-hmm. of some of the anyway. Yeah, I've got that big. There's a big, huge gearbox that I have off of a baggage sorter that would be perfect for this because it's a really low RPM, and I think it has like a five. I think it's a five horse motor on it, and I'm like, man, that that would give you. And I got these huge bearings, like, man. I and then like I've seen guys that do uh, rolling presses. A couple ways you can do it. Um, the one I've always seen is they'll have obviously whatever is the drive roller is fixed. And then the other one you adjust up and down. Some people use screws. Um, a lot of guys that want to use them just for kind of straightening out their Damascus or, or smoothing their Damascus, they'll have the bottom roller on a treadle. So they push down to engage it. And that way you just push it down and it starts feeding it through and you take your foot off and all of a sudden it's not being pulled through. So you can just, pull it back through and just was it back and forth back and forth um yeah and then i've seen guys will do that and then they'll put in what are they not they call them kiss blocks but basically spacer blocks yeah. so half inch and then essentially you know you get your steel hot if you want exactly or if say if you want something to be like a three eighths you want drawn out to three eighths thick and you just put those little blocks in there and just back and forth back and forth and all of a sudden once it's not squishing anymore you're at three eighths of an inch and then, you know, you still got your scale, so you'd be a little bit under that. But I'm like, that would actually be a, a handy tool to have. Oh, absolutely. Um, for making nice And I'd love to have stuff. a power hammer, but, you know, that, that's when we get into a whole different thing. And it, call, it takes so much uh, effort and money to get your, like, the floor ready for mm-hmm. a power yeah. hammer. So, yeah. Have you, seen, have you yeah. seen treadle hammers? Yeah, I'm not a fan, but that's no? just me. It's just me. There's yeah, nothing I think wrong I think they're good for like if you have a specific blacksmithing step or process. Like, uh, yeah, like I'm. I've all, I've thought about building a tire hammer because I'm like they they would be kind of cool. It's just bang, 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 bang. And I I think for like an entry level, like I want to just start drawing out steel. They they might work well. Uh, do you know Derek Melton of Melton Forgeworks? No. Okay, he's a he's in Mississippi. And a uh, full-time blacksmith does mostly like steak turners, bottle openers, uh, coffee scoops, and he does some knives. Um, but he he has, I don't know, three or four treadle hammers. He's got two or three tire hammers. He also has uh, forge press presses. He's got like a traditional um, like self-contained pneumatic hammer and stuff like that. Yeah, but, I um, see, that's what I, I want, an old giant power hammer yeah no that'd be cool not gonna happen no but uh he uses his treadle hammers for very specific things like when he makes a bottle opener there's that little little tab you have to kind of forge in there that actually hooks underneath and most people have kind of like a punch that's rounded and they'll just hit the inside of the circle and kind of move that metal in and so he'll do that. He's got a, a treadle hammer for that. And then for his maker's mark, you know, you heat something up, hold it there, and then bang, treadle hammer. And so it's kind of interesting. <clears throat> He's done a lot of uh, very specific tools for his product. So, like, you'll have one treadle hammer that's only for making this one part of this one thing. And it's kind of a good idea because ultimately a treadle hammer is just the material, right? They're not, not expensive. There's no power. And you can walk up to it, stomp, you know, stomp on it, and bang, it goes away. You, you know, it does its job. So it'd be kind of interesting. 
But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'd love to get some of that stuff set up. I might try making some sand mine just by hand. Like just taking some just stainless clad steel. That's all I want. One core, stainless on the outside. Uh, you know, tack it together. See if I can get a forge weld to stick by hand. Might be difficult. <laughs> Probably. Yep. But... Yeah, I think I'm going to start doing, I don't know. I'm Damascus curious, you could say. Yes. <laughs> right on. Well, I should probably get ready. i got to go get my eyeballs examined. Um, You know, I, had a, I used to have my favorite pair of glasses that I really liked. And I stepped on them one, one night, I think. I don't know what happened. They fell off my nightstand when I was like turning my alarm off. And then I woke up, I got out of bed and I just quenched my glasses. <clears throat> and I never found glasses that I liked, but I need glasses. Like I've got really poor vision. And so I wear contacts most of the time, but I'd like to start wearing glasses more because I, I don't think it's good for eyeballs to have contacts in like all day, every day, which is what I do. Like, I wake up first thing in the morning, I put in contacts. Last thing I do is I take contacts out, but. Hopefully I can find some glasses that I don't mind wearing. Yeah, I, I'm i not a fan of uh, wearing contacts in mm. um, workshop environments. But yeah, my opinion, you know, I've seen, I, I've never worn contacts and don't know if I would. I just don't know. I'm not in that position yet. Um, the glasses I have are glorified readers. They're prescription, mm. but they're glorified readers. Um, I'm just lucky that way. I went, I went stupid and deaf, not blind. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but I've seen two people have just horrific accidents um, where they did permanent damage to an eyeball because they're wearing uh, uh, contact lenses, right? Mm-hmm. Open safety glasses, and they get uh, a piece of metal, and it immediately went under the contact lens, mm. and so now it's sandwiched between the eye and the lens, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Now, would that have happened anyway? Probably, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say. I want to get also, my wife is has a hard time coming on board with this. You know transition lenses? Yeah. I think, I think this would be so handy. And, she, and I agree, like, I don't know, they've gotten a little bit better, but I remember when I was a kid, anybody with transitions always looked like they had mildly tinted sunglasses inside. So they'd never be really clear, and then they'd go outside, and they'd never be really dark. And I think they've gotten better. But my wife just doesn't like the look of them. Like, you see people with those partially tinted lenses, and it just seems weird. But um, I, I want to get a set. And I was like, listen, I won't, this won't even be for going anywhere. This is just for here. Like, if I've got to be outside and move something around, and it's super sunny out, I hate, like, I hate having to squint. And then I go in the shop that has no windows, you know, and it's, it, I'm like, transitions would be sweet for me. <laughs> you I, know? Uh... Uh, one of my pair that I have upstairs 
has they're not called they're not that brand name transitions lenses mm-hmm. they're a different brand name and they're relatively new and they are incredibly fast to change back and forth mm-hmm. and when they're clear they're clear hmm. and That's you can cool. get the darker you know you can get like normal sunglass shading and or you can get darker but it's incredibly expensive to go the darker mm-hmm. and then it's a tad bit slower but still when it's clear it's clear that's cool um and i wouldn't need super super dark right like i just if i'm going to be outside i'll wear sunglasses like if i'm going cycling or something like that or skiing but it's just for those times or even when i'm driving you know like if i'm driving i just want and it's super sunny outside I just want, I, I want, I don't care if they're dark sunglasses or not. I just want something to knock a little bit of that light down. See, and that's because I had, um, I think it's because I had arc eye one time really bad when I was mm-hmm. 18. Mm-hmm. Now, any kind of blue skylight really does bother me. Yeah. Um, so I need polarized sunglasses and, or I squint way too much. And it wouldn't work with the polarization. So mm-hmm. I couldn't get this transition and polarization. So I mm. just stuck with polarized. And I just got a pair of sunglasses and a pair of glasses. Um, because, you know, they're safety and they're polarized and, anyway, anti-glare yeah. coating. Mm-hmm. Um, but the polarization and the tint they use in these, they're Oakley brand. And Oakley actually does the... Uh, Prescription lenses. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, they're some of the best lenses ever. Hmm. Now they they cost more than they should, but you know they have that name attached to them. Yeah, yeah. But they're yeah. also some of the best. So I'm like, is it worth it? No, but it's what kind of worth it? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear you. Because I can wear those those glasses inside, and I can still see. Hmm. That's cool. But. I think people that wear sunglasses inside are all crackheads anyway. But Yeah. <laughs> I was wearing them in the, the beginning of the pandemic when you had to wear a mask. I was like, if you're going to make me cover any of my face, I'm covering my entire face. So I always wore a hoodie, sunglasses, and a bandana. <laughs> Just because I was like, man, if we're going to be stupid, then I want you to be nervous as well. Because you don't get to make me wear a mask and then just feel safe about it. But. So I went through a spell where I had to learn how to like shop at Costco with glasses on, with sunglasses on at the nighttime. It's difficult, actually. It's not very nice. I don't know why people wear sunglasses inside because it's not an enjoyable experience as a person doing it. Who knows? Yep. Oh, I better get cruising there, Todd. Yep. All right, man. Get my, get my eyeballs checked out. It's been great. Yes, it has. And uh, yeah, it's good. Sorry I missed last week again. But uh, it's great chatting with you. You guys have a great weekend and a good week next week. And then uh, we'll do another one next Friday. How's that? Absolutely. Um, Everybody enjoy this Friday to the 13th edition. That's right. Talk to you all later. Bye.